online, and uh, I enjoyed hearing him talk about uh, why we believe, uh, why what we believe uh, matters, um, and uh, I'm grateful that he talked about such a topic as uh, I think it is very important as we were going through the seminar and uh, the, the key truths that we teach as a church, and when you have a relationship with anyone, a very important part of that process of building that relationship is getting to know uh, the other person. And so when we seek to develop a relationship with God, you better believe that a very important part of that process is getting to know who exactly our God is. Is. So uh, I appreciate that. Um, and today we're going to continue. We're going to actually finish up our series on being a member of God's church. This was a nine-part series, so there's been a lot that we have discussed in this nine-week series, being a member of God's church. The first week, we established what exactly God's church is, and we defined it as simply a group of people who belong to God. So the universal group of people, everybody in the world who belongs to God, who gives their life over to God and his son, Jesus, that is God's church. And we took a look at the history of the church, where it started with Abraham and how uh, it kind of evolved into the Israelites. And then the New Testament, we see Jesus and the birth. Many people view the official birth of the church in Acts chapter 2 with the apostles. Then we took a look at where the church is currently in the 21st century. And we took a look at where the church is headed. Ultimately, our hope in the coming kingdom, where everything wrong with this world will be made right. And then the rest of the series, we, we, we took a look at some of the expectations that come along with being a member of God's church. Because just like any other membership, there are expectations. And these expectations include constant prayer. We need to constantly be praying to God on a daily basis. We need to be reading our Bibles. Reading our Bibles, we need to build a habit of that on a daily basis as well. We need faithful attendance, faithfully attending to our brothers and sisters and gathering together as a church body. Regular giving, giving back to God because ultimately it all belongs to God and we need to regularly give back to God. We need to follow the leadership of the church both on a worldwide level and a local level. We need to discover and use our spiritual gifts as God has blessed each and every one of you in a unique way so that you could serve the church. And so you need to discover those gifts and use those gifts. And then two weeks ago, we talked about living a godly life, imitating uh, God and his character, such as love and mercy and grace. Um, And we need to imitate that by living a godly life. And today, we'll conclude our series on being a member of God's church by talking about the expectation of witnessing. Now, chances are when most of you hear the word witness, you think of it in a court setting. Raise your hand when you heard me just just now said the word witness, you thought of the court setting. Raise your hand. Okay, not as many. Wow, uh, I was way off by that. Either you guys are too shy to raise your hand or I'm way off uh, about that. I'm wrong, I guess. Um, So chances are most of you guys don't think of a court setting uh, when you hear uh, the word witness. Uh, But today in the 21st century, an important part of deciding whether someone is innocent or guilty in a court setting falls on the accounts of uh, any witnesses. As witnesses, they, they have strong power in that court setting. We give a lot of credence to what the witnesses have to say, and they can heavily, heavily influence the direction of whether someone is deemed innocent or if they are deemed guilty. 
It all, a lot of it rides on the power of the witness. And this is nothing new. The wise man once said, Solomon, there's nothing new under the sun. And the power of a witness is nothing new. In the Old Testament, a witness was extremely, extremely important in in deciding whether someone was guilty or not as well, even more so than today. The entire Jewish system of justice was based on faithful witnesses sharing their experiences with those who deemed someone innocent or guilty. And they had so much power that a false witness could lead to someone being unjustly or unrightly excommunicated or even executed. That's that's the type of power that a witness had. All they needed was two two witnesses needed to give the same report. And that could serve as the main evidence in in the trial, in, in this court case. And this is how they put your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on trial. They tried to summon as many witnesses as they could, false witnesses to try and put, to condemn Jesus to death, and it worked. It worked. These witnesses that came, the the power of the testimony that they had, even though if a lot of them were false, it worked. They were able to put Jesus to death because of the account of these different witnesses. I mean, that's how much power a witness has. It is extreme, extreme power and influence in our societies. And now when we talk about witnessing today, we're not going to be talking about a witness in a crime scene this morning, but it gives us a a good idea as far as witnessing in a Christian scene, in, in a Christian setting. As a witness is simply someone that has seen something take place and is there to tell of all that they have seen, all that they have heard, and all that they have experienced. If you went to a ball game and you saw it take place and you go back to your home, your family and friends and report how that ball game went, you then are a witness of that ball game. If you saw someone steal something from a store and you share that information with others, you then are a witness of that theft. A witness is simply someone who's seen something and shared it with those around them. And today when we talk about witnessing, we're going to be talking about witnessing of God and his son, Jesus Christ. So this idea of being a witness is actually a command given to each and every one of us. This, this, this general theme of witnessing is seen throughout the whole New Testament time and time and time again. But one instance in which uh, the actual word witness comes up is in Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. After the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And we're going to be reading Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. And so this was after Jesus was crucified. So Jesus was crucified, he was hung on the cross, and on the third day, he was resurrected. But after he was resurrected from the grave, Jesus didn't immediately ascend to the right hand of God in heaven. Jesus actually spent 40 days here on earth in his resurrected body sharing the news of the kingdom. We can read that in verse 4, or or, excuse me, verse 3 of Acts chapter 1. And so here, this is at the very end of Jesus' ministry on earth after he was resurrected. So at the end of the 40 days, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, verse 6 of Acts chapter 1 reads, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So the, the, the disciples around Jesus, they heard Jesus talking about the kingdom time and time and time again. And so it, it was a very reasonable question saying, hey, is this now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And this is Jesus' response in verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus, he ascends into heaven, and his disciples are looking there, and two angels uh, appear on the scene and say, why are you looking? Why, why are you looking at your Lord and Savior ascending into heaven? Because he's going to descend in the same exact fashion. He's coming back one day. But his last words to his disciples, I don't really want to focus on the ascension this morning, but I want to focus on his last words to his disciples in verses 7 and 8. His last words to his disciples are that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the last message that he wanted to leave with his disciples with that they would be clear to understand that, hey, you guys, you are my witnesses. You must be my witnesses because I am ascending into heaven. I no longer can speak on my own behalf face to face with these people. So you guys, my disciples, my, my, my closest disciples, you guys are my representation here on earth. You guys shall witness to others about me. As the disciples, they had a very unique experience with Jesus as they ministered face-to-face with Jesus for about three years. And so they had this duty, they had this responsibility after Jesus ascended into heaven to share with those around them the experience, the personal experience that they had with Jesus as they saw a lot firsthand. They heard a lot uh, of Jesus' teachings and they had to share that with those around them. As Jesus, again, he was no longer able to speak on his own behalf to people. Instead, Jesus relied on his disciples to talk about himself. Well, the fact of the matter is Jesus' 12 disciples, they are no longer alive. And so that duty, that responsibility falls on you. It falls on me. It falls on us as a church, as God's church. We are to witness of the life of God in his son, Jesus Christ. We have that duty. We have that responsibility. And in verse 8, uh, there, there's a very small but important detail I want to point out in verse 8. You notice when Jesus uses the word witness, he uses it as a noun and not a verb. So a noun it is a person, place, or thing, and a verb is an action. So when I see that Jesus uses this term witness as a noun, I see that being a witness is a part of who we are. 
It's a part of our person. It's, it's a part of our identity. It's not just something that we do. It's not just an action, but it's who we are. And our, li- our lives need to reflect this identity of being a witness of Jesus Christ. That is who you are. You are a witness of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And your life have better reflect that identity. You have better reflect that identity of being a witness of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so the question that we, we should be asking ourselves is how do we be a witness of God and his son, Jesus Christ? How do we fulfill our identity of being a witness? And the answer is quite simple. The answer is that we need to regularly witness. We need to regularly partake in the action of witnessing. We need to regularly be sharing our personal experience of God and his son, Jesus Christ, with those around us. For example, I'm a preacher. That is part of my identity. And to fulfill that identity, I get up on a weekly basis and preach. That's part of who I am. We have a handful of teachers in this room. To fulfill their identity as a teacher, what do they do? They teach on a regular basis. And so if we want to fulfill this identity of being a witness, we have to witness on a regular basis because that's who you are. You are who you are because of what you do. And so if you want to fulfill the command to be a witness, then you've got to witness on a regular basis. We need to instill a habit. We talked a lot about habits at the beginning of this year. Just like we need to build a habit of praying to God on a regular basis and and a habit of reading God's word on a regular basis, we have to develop a habit of witnessing about God and his son, Jesus Christ, as well. And so how do we do that? How do we witness, how we partake in this action of witnessing to others? Well, the truth of the matter, there's a handful of different ways in which we can witness. But this morning, we're going to cover five, briefly, five simple ways in which we can witness, in which we can fulfill our identity as a witness of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And the first way in which we can fulfill that identity is sharing your personal testimony. Share your personal testimony. Your personal story is an incredible way to share the hope that you have in Jesus. Share with others all that God has done in your life. How has God made a difference in your life? How has he touched you on a regular basis? Have you seen God at work in your life? If so, then we have that duty, we have that responsibility to share that testimony with others. You know, for me uh, personally, probably the most clear example of God working in my life was the day I proposed to Jamie, and, and I was so nervous. I believe I shared this story with you all, but I was so nervous and anxious because the plans were falling apart, and I prayed to God to just ask for comfort and peace, and I had my Bible, and I randomly opened up to Isaiah 51.12, and there God says in Isaiah 51.12, I, I am he who comforts you. Man, that hit me. That gave me the chills hardcore. God was talking directly to me, saying, I, I am he who comforts you. That is a personal testimony that I have that has power when I share it with others. And we all, you all may have similar stories like that where you see God clearly at work in your life. 
Maybe you came from a, a, a rough past, a rough upbringing, and maybe God worked some miraculous wonder to bring you to where you are today. Whatever it is, share your personal testimony. It has so much power in being able to witness of God and his son, Jesus Christ. A second way, a second simple way in which we can witness is to share the gospel message. Share the basic message of the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. That, that, that's the gospel at its core. It's a message that needs to be shared. It was a message that was at the heart of Jesus and his ministry. He talked about the kingdom over and over and over again. And so if we want to witness about Jesus, you better believe that we have got to share this gospel message, the same message that Jesus shared time and time again. For Jesus says in Luke 4.43 that I was sent for this purpose, to preach the good news of the kingdom. So if you want to witness of God and his son Jesus to those around you, share the simple, basic gospel message that Jesus died for our sins, he was resurrected, he defeated death, and we too have that same promise of being able to defeat death, have victory over death in God's coming kingdom. Share that gospel message with your friends and family. A third simple way in which we can witness of God and his son Jesus Christ is to demonstrate Christ-like deeds. So not only by what we say, like our testimony in the gospel, but we can witness by our deeds, by the work that we do. When we show love to others, when, when, when we extend a helping hand, a loving hand, a serving hand to people, it witnesses to the love that God and his son Jesus have, have given to each and every one of us. When we act as Christ acted, then we stick out like a sore thumb and we serve as a light in a world full of darkness. I think we're all well aware that we are living in a world of darkness. But when we demonstrate Christ-like deeds. We are a light on a hill. We are a light in a world of darkness, and we show others the love that God and Jesus have for each and every one of us. A fourth way in which we can uh, simply witness to others is reading the Bible with a friend. You know, God has miraculously preserved his word for us here in the 21st century, and we can learn so much about God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so a very practical way in which we could witness of God and his son, Jesus Christ, is to share and read the message that the Bible teaches. You know, if you have a friend who is outside the church, have a friend who's not too sure about uh, this whole church thing, this whole Christianity thing, ask them if they just read one chapter with you a day or one chapter with you a week, and maybe it can start to make a difference. So reading the Bible with a friend is a great way in which you can witness to them about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his heavenly Father, his God, Yahweh. The final way that we'll talk about this morning, which you can witness to others, is sharing God's church with your friends and family. Invite your friends and family to church with you. Let them see firsthand what it looks like to be involved in a community of witnesses of Jesus Christ. Let them see firsthand the love that we have for one another. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, he told his disciples, they'll know you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. It should be clear. It should be obvious to them. 
And so let them see that. Bring them here so that they can witness it firsthand, the love that I have for you, the love that you have for me, the love that you have for those sitting around you. It is a powerful thing to witness the community of a body of believers. And it doesn't have to be in a church building either. If a group of you all uh, go out to eat or a group of you guys go watch a movie or hang out at someone's house, invite some of your friends who aren't familiar with the church, who aren't familiar with God and his son Jesus, and let them be influenced. Let them see you witnessing what it looks like to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And so this is a very practical, easy way in which you can witness to others is simply inviting them to the community that you all are a part of. And I'm telling you, it makes a difference. It makes a difference when they see this loving community love on one another. So those are five simple ways in which you can fulfill your identity as a witness of Jesus Christ. As being a witness is just one of the handful of expectations that we have if we want to be a part of God's church. There comes a responsibility to anyone who wants to be a part of God's church, but let me tell you, the reward is so worth it. That's not shocking news to any of us. All these expectations that we've covered the past eight eight weeks, they are so, so worth it when we think of the grand picture When we think of a day and age where there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more sickness, no more injustices, no more evil, and we'll partake in God's coming kingdom with God himself. We'll see him face to face. We'll see Jesus face to face. We'll see our fellow loved ones who devoted their life to God face to face in fellowship with them for a never-ending day and age, for the rest of eternity. This is what's at stake. This is a reward that's available to each and every one of us if we are a member of God's church. And a great way to help fulfill these expectations, a great way to to guide us in in the, the correct path of being a member of God's church is being a member here at the North Hills Church of God or being a member at whatever other church is out there. It's a great way. We mentioned the first week, we explicitly stated that we're talking about being a member of God's church. We are not talking about the local level. We're not talking about North Hills Church. We're not talking about Lawrenceville Church or Troy View or Pleasant Hill or any of the other churches around. We're talking about the universal church. But to help us fulfill these expectations, a great way to do that is to get plugged in, to get tuned in to a local church around you. And a great way to do that is to be a member. As, and here at North Hills Church, we have the same expectations of being a member of God's overarching church. And so if you're interested in being a member here at North Hills, I'd encourage you to come see me after the service, and I'd love to give you uh, the corresponding information uh, to be a member. But again, we have to remember it's not what it's about. It's not what it's about at all. Instead, it serves as a stepping stone. It serves as a guide and path for us to ensure that we are a member of God's church. Because I want to see each and every one of you guys in God's coming kingdom and partake in a day and age where everything wrong with this world will be made right. Let's do that together as God's church. And this reward, this promise that we have, it is all made possible 
because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So at this time, we'll partake of communion and remember the price that was paid on behalf of all of us so that we can put our hope in a day and age where all the struggles of this world are vanished into thin air and we can partake in God's kingdom. And this news, what we remember today, it needs to be shared with those around you. We need to serve as a witness of this news, of the cross, of the bread and the cup with those around us. And so as we partake of communion today, I'd encourage you to let it serve as a reminder that this is not just a message for you, it's a message for your friends and family as well, and they need to be aware that there was a man about 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus of Nazareth, and he died and suffered on the cross for them because he loves them and he wants to partake in God's coming kingdom with them. And so as you open the top slip here, we have the bread, which represents the body of Jesus being broken for each and every one of us. Let's go ahead and pray over the bread. Father God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of your kingdom, the gift of eternal life. And Father, at this moment, we recognize the price that was paid to make it all possible. Father, remember the body of your son being broken for the sake of us so that we could fellowship with you forever and ever. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' precious, holy name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the bread. The same day as Jesus' body was bruised and crushed on our behalf, his blood was spilt from his body, and this cup represents the blood of Jesus being spilt for you. So let's pray over the cup. Father, we love you. Father, we're sorry that you had to see your son suffer on the cross, to see his body crushed, to see the blood spilt before his body. Father, I pray that you deemed us worthy of that sacrifice, that you seek to, to have everlasting life with each and every one of us. Father, I pray that we all take the sacrifice with the extreme importance and value and that we share this good news of the cross, the resurrection, and your kingdom with those around us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.